Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to week six. We're almost halfway there, um, halfway through this course. Um, so this is the week that we start talking about planning. And um, first, we're going to start first with the concept of UDL, Universal De Design for Learning. Uh, so again, this is 223, week six, and I'm on session two, I'm sorry, slide two. So uh, to do this week, you've got your lecture and your podcast. Um, you are listening to this, so I'm preaching to the choir here, but I still have um, from last week's um, podcast, I still have uh, three students, I'm sorry, four students that did not listen to the podcast. So just to reiterate, and again, speaking to the people who are listening, but this podcast, listening to this podcast is not optional. Um, it is absolutely 100% a part of your class and maybe the one, one of the most important parts of the class because it's my way of being able to communicate this information to you. Um, so please remember that this is not optional. Um, reading, you have the, the um, obviously the PowerPoint for the lecture this week. Uh, you also have um, the threaded discussion six. Um, you're going to create a lesson plan. I'm sorry, you're going to create modifications for a lesson plan that I'm going to provide you. Your initial post, as always, is due um, on Wednesday. And then your follow-up posts, your response posts will be two, uh, two to three posts will be due on Sunday. And your reading reflection for any of the readings that are posted this week are due on Sunday at the end of this week, so a week from today. Um, the resources that you have for this week to use for your threaded, um, for your threaded discussion or your um, lecture and your podcast, um, the articles and videos that are embedded in the lecture um, in Module 6 are embedded in Module 6, and then any, own, any of your own research that you do this week. Um, those are also your resources. Um, just a quick note, I'm changing the Zoom class that we're going to do, our, uh, one of our two of three um, online classes that we're going to do via Zoom. It's gonna, I'm changing that to March 6th, so it's not this Friday, but the week after when we talk about backwards planning. Okay, all right, let's get started. So I think one great way to sum up what UDL is, Universal Design for Learning, um, is this idea of one size does not fit all. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm on slide three. So just talking briefly about the origins of Universal Design for Learning. So um, it comes from the idea of universal design. Um, Robert Mace, who is an architect and professor at um, North Carolina State University, came up with this idea of universal design. And it's the, it was this idea that we create, um, we create products and buildings that should be built from the start with everybody in mind. So it's not something that we have to retrofit after the fact, but rather that when we create something from the ground up, that we have everybody in mind. And this came, um, and, and, Sorry, clarifying that when we mean everyone, we mean that um, we mean people regardless of age, ability, or status. That um, 
that uh, products and buildings should be designed regardless of age and ability. Um, and he was a fierce, fierce advocate for the disabled. Um, so this sort of came about after World War I and World War II. Soldiers, so many soldiers were coming back home um, who were in need of accommodations due to disabilities. And so, and it also grew out of um, and influenced by the civil rights movement and the American with Disabilities Act. So those two things also sort of forced the they forced this idea of um, inclusivity when we when we create things. And so that's the idea of universal design. So in the 80s, um, the Center for Applied Special Technologies creates the idea of uni universal design for learning. And it was made possible by this, um, an increase in popularity in Mesa's concepts about universal design, and also from um, the growth of educational technology that was becoming available, like the idea of being, uh, being able to have personal computers, um, assisted, assistive technologies um, for the blind and for the deaf. Um, and also as we had more research around brain function. So those three things together, um, Mace's, um, Mace's concept of, of universal design, um, increase in technology, and new research brought about this idea of universal design for learning. And we know that, um, we know all classrooms are diverse. So we know that no matter where you teach, no matter what classroom, um, in what school district, your school, your, your classroom is always going to be filled with different students and they're all going to have varying means and different readiness levels and different language abilities and different emotional maturities, particularly in elementary school. All of your students are going to be in different places and it is our job as teachers um, to first and foremost understand that and accept it because um, we know that lessons have and, and teaching has as lessons have traditionally been designed for the average student for the student that's in the middle but what about all the students up and down and to the side of those at that average student so I want you to just take a moment and we're going to pause. Think about the students in the classes in which you are working or observing. And so as you think about those students, I want, and I'm just think while I ask you these questions. So how do they line up differently? How do they communicate their needs differently? How do they complete tasks differently? How do they go about completing tasks? And so just thinking about those three things, so sort of the physical, the emotional, and the cognitive. How, do, how are the students in the classes that either you're working or observing function in those different areas? Maybe you're thinking about one particular student or two particular students. Also think about, you know, the, the, the speed in which they work. Um, Consider or um, consider it. Oftentimes, 
we, we, we consider the speed at which students work as effort level. And so we interpret that as you're not putting in enough effort or, oh, you worked so quickly. Um, you must have really gotten it. You must have really understood it. And so those aren't, that's the how students work, but that's not necessarily reflective in the product that they're creating. Consider language levels, um, academic language abilities. What other, what sensitivities might they have? What, what are their different cultural needs? So these are all the different types of things we have to think about when we are designing our lessons. We'll pause for a moment. Okay, carry on, sorry. Um, sorry about that pause. Uh, now we are on, okay, we're still on side, slide five. So we have a responsibility as teacher and probably our most, um, second only to creating a strong classroom community, we have a responsibility to design our lessons with each of those students in mind. And I'm, I'm just gonna go back and repeat some of these needs. So we have language abilities. We have academic language abilities. I'm sorry, not language abilities, language levels. Academic language abilities. Emotional sensitivities. Cultural needs. Um, so, um, those are, those are the things that we need to, to be keeping in mind when we're designing our lessons. We also, of course, have their um, physical needs and their um, cognitive needs based on any type of learning disabilities that they may have, may have either identified or not identified. All right, slide six. So, um, UDL has found itself in law. So you're going to find um, UDL in, um, in the language of the Higher Education Opportunity Act of 2008. You're going to find language of UDL in the 2004 reauthorization of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which is called IDEA, which you'll learn in your special education class. Um, you're also going to be held accountable for not only understanding UDL, but being able to implement UDL um, in your student teaching and beyond. So um, it, there's language of UDL in the teacher performance expectations. And these TPEs are what you'll be assessed, what will be used to assess you during student teaching. And they will be what you are assessed on when you are evaluated um, in your classrooms um, when you are teachers. And so I just pulled, I copied and paste, copy and pasted the TPE that includes language about UDL. So this is um, um, this is creating classroom environments, and this is point four: use a variety of developmentally and abil um, ability appropriate instructional strategies, resources, and assisted technology, including principles of UDL and multi-tiered system of supports to support access to the curriculum. Okay. 
So just to keep in mind that not only is this important for good teaching, but it's also what you're going to be held accountable for. Okay, so let's talk about the how and the why of UDL. So I'm on slide seven. So UDL is based on research that defines um, three primary neurological networks that impact learning. So we have the recognition network, the strategic network, and the effective network, affective network, okay? So the first one, recognition network. So it's it talks about the what students are learning. So it's, it's um, the, how the brain processes the incoming stimuli, okay? So it's the what students learn. The strategic network in the brain is how students process the incoming information and it's based on past experiences and any background knowledge. So it's the, the how the brain strategically connects any information that's coming in and attaches it to past experience and background knowledge. Okay. And then lastly is the, uh, so that's the how students process the incoming information. And the affective network is it's how the, it's the part of the brain that regulates the students' attitudes and feelings about the incoming information and their motivation to engage in our instructional activities. And so um, it's the why. Why do I need to be learning this? And, um, and how does this impact me? And it's their, their attitudes and feelings. And so we're going to talk about um, how important objectives are when we're creating our lessons because it really um, it uh, has an impact on our effective network. Okay, so I have two different um, visuals here. One is just a, just sort of the on on slide seven is just it gives you a visual visual as to where these are located in the child's brain. And then slide nine um, gives you some, some more clarifying language on the what, the how, and the why of learning. Okay. Okay, so all of this, all of this information, what does this mean for lesson design? As we move into our, our portion of the course on planning, what does this idea of access and equity um, mean for how we design our lessons? How does this impact our lesson design? So all of these things have to play out in the way we are strategic about how we make our lesson plans accessible is through quality design. So for the recognition network, um, we must pre uh, present information in a way that's accessible to all of our learners, okay? So therefore, throughout our lessons, we have to create multiple ways in which we present information. We cannot select the delivery and the strategy that we like the best. We have to vary it and, um, and we have to use many different strategies throughout a lesson and throughout a and throughout our school day um, to present information to students. So 
consider this. So instead of just giving a PowerPoint or using on the, the slides that accompany our textbooks, so each of our textbooks and um, include online tools that we can that we can throw up on the screen for our kids and they're colorful and engaging. But that's just one way of presenting information. And what are some other ways in which we um, we must also present the information? So we can provide manipulatives to students. We can supplement with YouTube videos. We can create simulation activities that allow students to physically act out the concepts. Um, we can use pictures to always accompany vocabulary words. We can use audio versions of stories, books, and articles. Um, we can use expanded text with larger fonts. Um, and then we can also use any kind of adaptive technologies. And adaptive technologies are, for instance, an example of an adaptive technology is sometimes you'll see teachers wear um, the microphones around their um, necks and that projects directly wirelessly, but directly into um, a child's um, um, earpiece. And so that's an adaptive technology. It, it um, projects the voice for the student um, directly from teacher. Okay, so talking about the strategic network. So what does this mean for lesson planning? So learners must be able to express what they've learned through demonstration of their knowledge. So we, in anything that we do, we have to ask students to demonstrate their what they've learned um, through any through any type of assessment. So we we can be we can address the needs of the strategic network by giving students choice in how they express their understanding and variety about how they express their understanding so um when brainstorming here's a couple of ideas so brainstorming or generating ideas provide a different variety of tools so rather than just the traditional ask question and have students raise hand why not have students put ideas on post-its why not provide students with small whiteboards, traditional pencil and paper, um, a variety of different kinds of graphic organizers and formats. Um, there's, a, there's a great link that I put on here called Bubble US that um, has a variety of different graphic organizers for you. Um, and also using a variety of strategies, not only tools, but strategies to check for understanding. So quick exit tickets, um, posters, gallery walks, online tools, um, oral explanations, think pair shares, pictures, sketch notes, um, fun applications like Kahoot. So these are all um, different ways that students can show what they know um, in different ways. Um, there's also some great assistive writing technologies like talk to text. Um, any Chromebook will have talk to text. There's lots of free online tools. One called Dragon um, Naturally Speaking is a good talk to text. What if you have a student that um, breaks his or her arm, right arm or left arm, their writing hand, and they can't write for six to eight weeks? So um, you are required to provide them an alternative way to show what they know. Um, and any kind of great talk to text program is a way to do it. Um, so just think for a moment, how else would you address the needs of that student? Um, what other ways in which 
What are some other ways in which you can modify and adapt your your activities to fit the needs of that student so that he or she has has the ability to show what they know? Okay, moving on to slide 13, the affective nectar. So this is the why, and this is the motivation to complete brain tasks. So we know that we need to keep our students excited and engaged and challenged. Um, but while, while also alleviating barriers that keep students from feeling motivated, especially our students that have any type of disability, um, our job is to motivate them um, and, and, to, and, and help alleviate any barriers they have to their learning, to keep their motivation. Um, and so one of the ways in where the primary way that we can drive motivation is to be very consistent about presenting a bigger picture. So the why we are doing this, why are we completing this task? Why are we learning this? Why are we doing any of this? How does this apply to me and how will I use this and where are we going with this? And so um, even this simple, um, simple tasks that you give students to sort of buy time, crossword puzzles or word searches, even those need to have purpose and they need to tie to a bigger picture. Um, we can't simply give busy work. We need to increase motivation by really making everything that we do purposeful. And, and um, so we're talking about, I'm going to talk briefly about, um, I'm sorry, before I talk about zone of proxim- proximal development, um, it's also how easy or difficult a task is can, can influence a student's motivation. Um, think about a time when you felt that school, um, that you were too challenged and you put up a wall and said, I'm not doing anything now. Or think about a time that was too easy and you put up a wall because it was too easy and you were bored. And we internalize those things as as elementary students and then it only gets worse. So by the time they get to high school, um, they've shut down either because they were never challenged or shut down because because things were presented, they were challenged too much. And so we really need to find what we call is um, Vygotsky's zone of proximal development. And this theory, his theory states that learning occurs when we achieve that perfect balance between challenge and support. Students should be stretched, but not so stretched that they break. I'm going to pause and let you think about that for just to give you some think time on that for a moment. So again, that we want to always achieve that zone of proximal development. It's that perfect balance between challenging our students, but always supporting them. And we support them through scaffolding in our lesson plans and adaptations and modifications for those students that need them. So um, slide 14. So universal design for learning requires um, that we have planning and in, in, um, in awareness in all four areas of instruction. Um, instructional goals, our instructional tasks, 
the instructional materials that we use, and the assessments that we create. So we really need to keep each of our students in mind and what our students, individual students need in all four of those areas through the goals that we create, making sure that our goals are standards-based and realistic and, and that are achievable by the instructional tasks that we create and provide for our students, that the, that the instructional materials that we are using are appropriate, developmentally appropriate, culturally appropriate, age appropriate, and that the assessments that we create have the, the adaptations and modifications necessary for those students that need them. And that we have a variety of different types of assessments, that we are not just giving the same type of test each week to the students, okay? So then we, from there, we create modifications and adaptations to our lesson plan in those four areas to address those individual student needs. I, you know, I, I thought about this week as I was creating this, I thought, you know, um, UDL is sort of like ADA compliance for learning. So when someone opens up a restaurant, they need to make sure that their facility is ADA compliant and that it meets the needs of all persons that walk in that door. And so think of UDL as ADA compliance for your classroom, for, for learning. You need to make sure that um, you are in compliance and that you are addressing the needs of every student that walks in that classroom, no matter how challenging that can be or that student can be, that you are addressing those, those needs. And that we, we understanding and internalizing all of this helps us never say things like, that kid just doesn't want to learn. Or, oh, he's, yeah, he just doesn't want to do anything. Okay. Okay, so slide 16. We know that universal design for learning benefits everybody. It's going to benefit everybody in your class. I want you to consider not just our students with disabilities, both cognitive or physical, but I want you to also consider all these different types of kids that sit in your classroom. What about your English language learners? What about your student with social anxiety disorder? Your students with learning disabilities? What about your student with Asperger's? What about your shy student? or your opposite, your alpha student? What about your introverts and your extroverts? Or your student experiencing trauma or PTSD? What about your student with anxiety? Student with hyperactivity? Or student with a brain injury? This is a, this is a very short list of all of, this is um, a, a short list and you, you, um, as instructional aides or observers of education or learners yourself could add many more to this list. Um, but this is, these are some, some typical students that you would very commonly have in your class. So think about this. You have a student with a visual impairment in your class. So you are required through 
you know, as stated in the student's IEP, to provide an audio version of the text for that student. Now, how might that adaptation benefit any of these other subgroups that I've listed here? How is that audio text that you have to provide the student with a visual impairment going to support any of these other students? So would most certainly um, address the needs of your English language learner because you're providing an additional audio support for and, and while they're being able to follow along in the visual text. Um, per, perhaps your shy student or your student with social anxiety disorder, maybe that fear of having to read aloud will be alleviated and, and really support that effective um, function of that student's brain because they have, they're able to listen to the book and relax rather than have to worry about the idea of having to be chosen to read aloud. Okay. So that's just one simple example of how one modification for one student can benefit a lot of other students in your class. Okay. So as we move in to the end, of the lesson here on Universal Design for Learning, or UDL, as you'll hear it again and again in your teaching career. Um, this is your threaded discussion for this week. And I'll just read it off the slide. So um, I'm gonna attach a lesson plan to module six. It will be a Word document. And that is what you will use to create your threaded discussion this week. Select two prototypes or subgroups of students. You can either use two that I listed on slide 16, or you can think of um, another type of student. Um, but I want you to identify two for which you will create modifications and adaptations using the lesson plan attached. So, as you create those modifications and adaptations for this lesson for those two students, I want you to include um, a justification. So why did you why did you pick those particular modifications and adaptations? And also share how this will benefit the other learners in your class. So what will you change? Uh, about this lesson to accommodate these two types of learners and they should be different. Um, so you're going to have one set of modifications and adaptations for one type of student and another set of modifications and adaptations for another type of student. And you will need to do this for all of your lessons anyway. So this is good practice. So for each of these types of students, and you don't have to do this for all, you know, 22 students in your class, but the ones that have the most um, prominent needs you'll need to create, especially ones with IEPs, which you're legally bound to create these modifications and adaptations. Um, you will um, need to include these in your lesson plans. Um, but universal design for learning is really just about not just, I don't want you to think of adaptations and modifications within, you know, within the frame of special education. I want you to really think about this as universal. So things that you are going to adapt and modify in your lesson plan and things that you are going to add to this or change in this lesson plan to make it more accessible to those two students that you've identified. Okay. 
So perhaps you're going to add an activity. Perhaps you're going to change one of the activities. Perhaps you're going to create an additional choice for an activity to address the needs of those students. So you can modify and adapt any piece of the lesson. The only part I don't want you to change is the objectives and the standards and the language objectives. So those should stay the same. So the objectives are always going to be the same in your class for your entire class. How you address those objectives is what's going to be different through your instructional tasks and assessments. Okay. So the objections, the objectives will stay the same. Standards will stay the same. Language objectives will stay the same. Anything else about the lesson you can change um, and modify and adapt. So the last thing is um, you're going to use any classroom resources that, that have been presented today and on your module and any classroom resources that your teachers in the classes in which you work may have. So there are fantastic books um, um, that a lot of teachers have in their classroom libraries um, that are just lists of different activities and adaptations that you can use to address the needs of these types of students. Um, there's also amazing online tools that you can use. So you don't have to come up with these on your own. I encourage you to use research to identify some really great strategies and assessments and modifications that you want to make to these lessons. If you use an online source or a book, please include it in your post. I'll say that again. You, you, when you use a resource, either book or online tool, please include your source. Not only is this something we have to do for class, but it is some, I want to be able to provide a wealth of knowledge for each other. So um, the sources that you include, your classmates can have access to, um, especially if it's a great website that you can, that because um, that's something that everybody can have access to. Okay, so please make sure you include your, your sources. Your response posts that you create this week can include any feedback that you have. Or maybe you have a great additional idea that you want to add and um, to that person's um, modification or adaptation. And so um, their idea might spark an idea in you. So go ahead and add that to theirs. Um, and as always, take note of any good ideas that you may want to use. As you're complete reading these posts, I encourage you to please Jot down ideas that you want to be using in your classroom. Build that toolbox based on what your peers have, um, have posted this week. Okay. And of course, any questions that you have this week, please feel free to email me. Um, so we are not meeting this Friday online, but I will see you the Friday after on March 6th. All right. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you online and um, this is important stuff. So if you have any questions about these ideas or, or any of the content, please, again, don't hesitate to email me or post a question um, online for everybody to see that I can respond to. All right. All right. Take care.